The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 15. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. Joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today, we are discussing the 15th episode of the first season of Stargate SG-1, Singularity. The team arrives on the planet Henka to observe a black hole. They discover that everyone is dead except for a young girl named Newt, I mean Cassandra. They bring her back to the SGC where she bonds with Sam. Meanwhile, Jack and Teal'c, the two non-scientists on the team, stay back to observe the important scientific event. Cassandra becomes sick and her condition continues to worsen. Dr. Frazier discovers a semi-organic bomb made of stargates and bananas inside Cassandra. Jack and Teal'c discover that the black hole is actually a gold ship. Although given Jack's lack of basic understanding of what a black hole actually is, I don't know that I trust their conclusions. Cassandra <laughs> is revealed to be a human time bomb sent by the gold Nerti to destroy the Stargate on Earth. SG-1 takes Cassandra back, takes Cassandra to an old nuclear facility where she can explode without blowing up NORAD, but Sam realizes that the bomb is activated by proximity to the Stargate. The extremely accurate countdown clock ends without Cassandra exploding, and the team enjoys a wonderful stand-around-and-laugh-together ending. <laughs> including a dog yeah yes, yes. wonderful you actually dog. mentioned my my all-time favorite beatles song stargate and bananas <laughs> <laughs> Stargate's... it was on the white album right yeah it was it was the ninth track on that i think <laughs> what were your thoughts on this episode father Corey? you know this is it's one of these episodes that it's very memorable and it is something they come back to eventually this isn't the last time you see cassandra but it's, um, I don't know. It's one of those episodes that's just kind of, uh, it's there. Mm-hmm. there. There's good parts about it. And obviously, the purpose of this episode is the feels. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the feels of Sam and Dr. Frazier bonding with this little girl. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, and uh, Dr. Jackson bonding with uh, uh, Sam as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was, de- there was definitely an <laughs> overtone there. <laughs> <laughs> As friends. Just friends. Just friends. What about you, Lisa? What were your thoughts? I I agree with Father Corey. This episode is, you know, kind of forget all the science and all the sci-fi aspects of it. This this episode is all about, you know, feeling good. You've got, you know, little girl, you've got Sam kind of, it's her first episode to really find her feelings. Right? Mm -hmm. She's been hardcore all this time and, um, there's a lot of feminists out there that I'm going to disagree with about this episode. But, um, yeah, I mean, I- I'm watching it again. It's not terribly a must watch, but it is a must watch, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. 
What about you, Victor? No, no, I agree. When I when I saw this coming up in the rotation, I hadn't seen this since I you know watched my way through this show many many years ago, and I was like, oh, it's a you know Cassandra episode. I guess I'll you know knock this one out. And then by I, I just hadn't remembered like there are moments of actual like tension in this episode. Mm-hmm. Some of the operating room scenes when you don't know what's going on, and they're just handled so well. Um, Amanda tapping. I mean, this is. And with the exception of maybe one Stargate Atlantis episode, I think this is probably one of her finest moments in the entire run of, of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and the and the the ending is just uh, I mean, it, if you're a parent, I mean, just the ending will just really hit you super hard. And um, and then they just completely cut the legs out of the ending right at the end. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well with with. With, uh, you know, just a couple words, they it all sort of like emotional, like punch of the ending is just is just cut out at the end. But up until that point, I mean, this is like like an actual like seat of, uh, you know, edge of your seat, you know, gripping the armrests. And, and um, there are some real moments of tension in this that I that I really liked. Um, and then, you know, the up until that, you know, some of the last moments, just some really, you know, the, the moments really land. And I think, you know, Robert C. Cooper, this is maybe his fourth episode for the show or something but you know he really nails it here yeah i enjoyed it i i would be with you victor on that it's mostly good but the ending kind of falls flat and i think that is more to do with the fact that you got to wrap things up in 45 minutes well it it wasn't even that we can jump to the ending um just for for folks who haven't seen it uh you know uh cassandra has a uh, a potassium and naquita bomb that's being organically created inside of her and it's um, you know, becomes more strong with proximity to the Stargate. Um, you know, there there is, and they even hang a lantern on it and say, like, you know, that ticking clock, you know, how can you be so precise? Right. Well, we just know. So the only solution is to uh, have Sam take her down in, into the middle of this dilapidated old, you know, 30 floors deep nuclear um, bunker and basically leave her there while while she takes off and says, you know, I'll be back, you know, knowing that she's going to explode. and. And uh, midway up the the elevator back up, she, you know, has, you know, anybody in this position who's, who has kids would say, well, I don't really care what happens to me. I'm not going to let this kid die alone. Mm-hmm. And so she goes back down and, and um, lo and behold, the, the bomb doesn't go off because she's, you know, far enough away from the Cassandra's far enough away from the Stargate. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. And then and then at the end, I guess, because they didn't want her getting court-martialed for, you know, violating a direct order, they say, mm-hmm. like, well, how did you know? And, and Sam's like, I just knew. I just knew. Well, really? How'd you know? I just knew, sir. And yep. that just completely, you know, takes out any of the, you know, the, the emotional. No, I mean, if, if for it to mean anything, Sam can't just know that Cassandra is not going to blow up and take her with her. I mean, you know. Yeah, I didn't know it would be the would be the way to answer that question right. and still. But well, I, mean, I mean, I guess. Yeah, they, I mean, they could even said something like she could just flat out said, I just couldn't leave her alone at that time. And yeah. I mean, and that would actually ramped up the emotional. Yeah, exactly. That Sam was willing to to uh, take the risk and, you know, g- give her life so that she could be with this little girl, um, you know, at that last moment. You know, but it's, I just knew it's like, no, he's, yeah. you, you don't have, you know, you're, you're not really mother. I mean, you, she, she does play mother, a mother in this very much. So, you know, kind of a surrogate mother to Cassandra, but it's like, it wasn't motherly instincts. This was just, we wanted to make sure that Sam was there. So you get the tears. Yeah. yeah they, uh, and that's how they play that scene up until she says that it's, 
it's played like she's going down there to die with her. Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, see it. I took it as she it. couldn't verbalize yeah. it, right? Like mm-hmm. she couldn't leave her, but she couldn't say that she couldn't leave her. So, like we all knew that's why she didn't leave her, right? But she mm-hmm. couldn't say that. She just that that would be too for me too much of a stretch because you had this military science female who, I mean, she's wanting to watch the black hole and mm-hmm. let the little girl go to the SGC without her, right? You know, she's all um, like, whatever, y'all send her away. I got to watch the scientific coolness going on, you know? Yeah. And it was only, it's like you watched her bond through the episode, right? Mm-hmm. And so, Absolutely. I don't know, for her then to be able to verbalize, I'm emotionally attached and can't do this, I don't, that, that would have been a stretch for me. I think we all saw it by the way she acted. Well, that's... I agree. You know, well, that's that's kind of the amazing part of Amanda Tapping's performance is you saw throughout, you know, like the first time that Cassandra grabbed her arm, you know, don't mm-hmm. leave me not without even saying don't leave me. You just saw the look on her face like, what are you doing, kid? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just kind of like, uh, OK, but by the end, again, it was, you know, she's in the elevator and she's breaking down. She's mm-hmm. just she's yeah. lost it, you know, and that could say much more than any kind of lines of, you know. Of you know, trying to explain it. Yeah, she and the the actress who played the girl, they did a really good job with the nonverbal connection there on screen, conveying a lot just through mm-hmm. like expressions and how they acted. Or where she goes to close the door at the very end when she's leaving her, that was rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, lots of really nice touches that are very subtle in this episode um, too. When they first bring. Cassandra through the Stargate and you know Sam has been like oh it's okay we're going to take you back to our planet you're going to be safe you're going to be cared for it's going to be great and they do a good job kind of showing the SGC through the eyes of this child like they come in and it's like this horrible you know brutalist architecture you know military complex yeah and it's like and it's like here's your room and it looks like a prison cell because they probably do use it you know as a prison cell as well and it and it's just they did. They handle that that transition very well, where where they're bringing this kid into you know the safe space, and it's and it's just this horrible prison, essentially. Well, everything gray, you know, yeah. especially yeah. you know, and that's 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 one thing that actually kind of struck me is you had the planet which was very bright and colorful, and you know, even with the fact that people had died, there was still just bright colors, mm-hmm. and then you get into SGC, and yeah, it's a gray cell <laughs> with gray furniture a gray bed with a gray blanket it's yep. just shades of gray and it's just yeah it was such a stark contrast between the two of them yeah even just the lighting in this episode like it was difficult to see what was going on sometimes it was so dark mm-hmm. yeah very very effective yeah. um as well as the first time she meets uh you know sg1 they're all wearing their mop for uh you know chemical suits and stuff yep. and, and so yeah it's it's just very good at like doing everything to show that this child has no reason to trust or want to go with these people or oh, and come then by on. the end you know she's took smile yeah oh that's right <laughs> that was a very nice smile though he he, he changed from his uh you know teal grimace to yeah well, but he was smile there. very very gentle though i mean that was mm-hmm. that was actually quite quite nice as he came up to her and yeah. was very you know come on out you know you don't have to fear us mm-hmm. you know he wasn't come out <laughs> yeah 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 i think that all all four of them showed a lot of well plus janet frazier a lot of that caring and i, I think 
no matter who it was in this episode, you could see they all cared for her and connected with her in a certain way, right? It's yeah, just that the focus was on Sam mm-hmm. and the bond that she grew with Cassandra. And Daniel. And Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's that scene where they're walking and Daniel's like, like, take care of yourself first, you know, do something for you, you know, self-care. Samantha. I know. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. I rewatched it after you had said that, that like you're shipping yeah. Daniel and Sam now, I was like, I am no. And then I rewatched it and I'm like, I could see where you said that, but no. (laughs) They're like doing the swinging her back and forth and it's them two with her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because this very much was a Jack and Teal girl on planet and Sam and Daniel are taking and Frazier are taking care of the kid. Right. Mm -hmm. So you had those nice poignant moments between Daniel and Sam, but I, I always will see them as siblings. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We also get a the first uh, mention of Nakuda in this episode, which is the element that the Stargate is mm-hmm. built on. Oh yeah, is this the first? This is the first mention of it. Yeah, I I, oh, I nice. thought they used the name once before that they they knew the name because it had been said before. Because we obviously had all the way back to the movie where they talk about that they're they're mining the element that made up the Stargate, but so, not what the name is actually. Yeah. I think it's the it's at least the first episode where it's identified by name. I think they've talked about the Stargate being made out of an exotic uh, element before, yeah. but this is the first time that you actually hear what it's named. Right. Okay. So, and maybe it's something that Teal could told them off screen. That was the name yeah. of it. And we got a new gold this episode. Near T. Near T, which we get to know very well later. Um, so this was kind of a teaser for who she is and. <laughs> what she's they capable call him a he of doing. in this one though which is some, yeah. some good misdirection do what they call him a he in this one though oh, which is they? some good misdirection yeah they did and then yeah i really like the shot of the ship through the uh telescope where you, you can yes. see parts of it but you don't get to see the whole thing right that's no moon that's <laughs> yeah. a cool attack vessel <laughs> yeah i'm a big sci-fi ship guy so yeah. Excited yeah, to this, see more of that. You'll see a lot of them. You'll see a lot of them yeah. coming up. This but is the this first was, time we get to see them. But. Yeah, so the first time we saw the ship, right? Yep. Yes. Um, this is kind of a tangent, but uh, I think I've told you all this before off off air, but my church is building a uh, the thing where they hold like the urns for the ashes. Mm-hmm. And it's columbarium. a big golden... Yeah. yeah, that, a columbarium. It's a big uh, golden pyramid with like three gray concrete fins that are coming off the side and it, it looks just like a gold ship so every time we drive past it that's that's what i've been thinking of <laughs> maybe it really is perhaps <laughs> maybe your pastor is actually a uh, gold and he's he's gonna use that to get home yeah. i mean his eyes do glow sometimes when he's given a homily i just thought he was on fire but i don't know altar server Cree. yeah <laughs> Speaking of ships, we get a really nice shot of the Death Glider going through the Stargate in this one that I think they use for the uh, intros in several seasons, but it's just a nice gratuitous touch, you know, mm. when they're being pursued on their way uh, back to the gate. Yeah, there was a well, lot sure. of effects in this episode. Seems like they had a pretty good budget because you get like three or four shots of the actual uh, Stargate operating rather than just doing the thing where they cast oh, the yeah. light on them. Yep. And you get the Death Gliders, you get the ship. Exactly. Which is interesting well, because it's kind of incongruous with the very like personal focus of the story. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
even some of the x-ray footage though where they're showing the device you know being assembled that's much better than you know the sort of weird like playstation you know 3d animation we got earlier on when they were trying to like grab the ghoul out of kowalski or something and it yeah oh yeah looks like frogger 3d or something maybe they maybe it's towards the second half of the season they have a little extra money a little extra thrown around but that's what i like about this episode is it's it kind of tries to confuse you with the there's a virus there's the bio weapon in her body Mm -hmm. you know the whole um trojan horse thing but at the same time it's not about any of that right? right it's it's almost like a distraction don't don't think about that you're supposed to think about the humanity and the choices that we make mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but it's in a sci-fi show right well, i think that's what sci-fi does best is taking those kinds of stories and by putting it in a more fantastical setting you can kind of view it without the same kind of lens you'd view something like if it was just a drama show you might just think oh this is this is cheesy i don't want to watch people feels but you can do those kind of stories in a more expansive way, which is what I like. <laughs> yeah, we do get uh, this theme gets kind of revisited as well, like nine or 10 years later in a Stargate Atlantis episode called Sunday, um, where, you know, the, the Stargate crew happens upon an ancient uh, a laboratory built by the ancients who are the pre, you know, pre-existed, the, the ghoul and stuff. I accidentally turn on some machinery and it's an ancient, uh, ancient uh, science experiment where, they were experimenting with putting explosive tumors into people, um, ostensibly as a you know last last ditch weapon to fight their enemies, and um, you know it, it's a, it's a very important episode in the franchise. I'll just say that, but um, you know, sort of as a companion piece, it kind of makes you think like, did the ghoul get the idea from the ancients? You know, in this SG one episode, they're able to have kind of a happy uh, resolution to it, where that's not the case in the Atlantis episode. Mm-hmm. Nice, that is cool. I almost thought, um, I felt like the way the direction was going with uh, how Cassandra is acting, I felt like that the twist was going to be that she had killed everyone on the planet somehow and she was like not actually mm-hmm. a girl or something like that. So that's where I thought yeah. they were going with that. Wait, wait a few seasons. Yeah. It's a little dark for season one, but they do. <laughs> they do. They that. do that. We get that later on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm used to the X-Files doing stuff like that. but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I, I did think it was an interesting concept, though, of the fact that the bomb would get stronger. And of course, they, they did flat out state that it, that was the trap was to mm-hmm. send the bomb back through the Stargate, because as soon as you did it, the Stargate would explode. But that was kind of an interesting concept of some energy or something that the Stargate gets off or it reacts to the Nakwita in the Stargate. The closer the person got to the Stargate, the worse it got. Mm-hmm. And conversely, the further they go away, the further the, the, it would eventually disappear. I'd like to think, though, that Cassandra's keto diet also played a part in making the bomb dissolve. You know, eating the hot dog with no bun. Yeah. No ketchup, no mustard, no bun. Yeah. Isn't that how all yeah. kids eat it, though? It is. Yeah, a lot of them do. Right? I used to at least dip it in the ketchup. I mean. Yeah. My son just wants it plain. <laughs> of course, you forget, like, we get to the whole end of the episode and she's like, what's a swing? You know? Yeah. 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 I thought that I thought that when she points over and she's like, "What are those?" I thought that they were going to pan over and it was going to be like a group of like boys or something, and they were going to get the wah. Oh, or be Michael Jordan wearing some sneakers or something. Well, we get (laughs) a little Cassandra and boys later. Yes, Mm -hmm. we do. Right? Yeah. I'm glad to hear that she comes back though, because the way the way Sam's talking to her at the end, she's like, "Yeah, I'll come visit you with your adopted parents." I'm like, "Oh, we're never going to see her again, are we?" 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little while. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, it's second episode of season two. Is it real? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. We see her again. Second episode of season two. Briefly. Yeah. Briefly. Okay. And then we don't see her again until she has her 16th birthday. Ah. Oh, we see very old Cassandra. And then we see, oh, that's true, true. We oh, see yeah. very old Cassandra. Time traveler. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when she's the uh, really thin, stretched piece of skin in that Doctor Who episode? Moisturize me, moisturize me. Moisturize me, yeah. Cassandra. Different Cassandra there. Yeah. <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> Although, I mean. Yeah. That's my headcanon now, by the way. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would have been cool if they had kept it that the bomb stays inside her but she just can't get near a stargate mm-hmm. again me too i, I thought it was a little convenient that it just dissolves and all's good right yeah oh, but of course yeah but she does retain her naquita which comes in handy later that she can sense gould which yeah. is how we oh, run into her again yeah so this like is a teal and the other yeah this actually makes me think of an article I read uh, the other day. Apparently, scientists have developed this device that is made out of like semi-organic material that will replace a pacemaker. Like they insert it into your heart, and it will retune mm. your heart's rhythm, and then it will dissolve, so it doesn't stay in there like a pacemaker does. So, cool. that's kind of what it made me think of. That is neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it's gold technology. We just don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is something we see. Yeah, that is something the NID we do see. Um, you know, throughout the show, people like adapting, you know, alien technology and then kind of releasing it into the public as you know medical mm-hmm. advances and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it could be. And that actually becomes a major plot point is that, that Stargate yeah. isn't doing enough to bring back technology. <laughs> that sounds like how this would actually go over with the U.S. government in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get a little realism as we go. Yeah. <laughs> I really you just thought like... it was a human who invented post-it notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that whole story about doing it for you know his church for his choir at church—that's that, yeah. that's just a cover yeah. story. Yeah. His choir at yeah. church. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you've if heard that's that's the story that 3M tells about how post-it notes came to be. The guy who invented it worked for 3M, and uh, they had this new glue that was you know sticky but not like you know permanent. And he's well, let's try it on my choir books for church and it works so great that now of course 3m makes millions and millions and millions of dollars and post-it notes every year yeah i don't know if i buy that because it's like these stories that when you find out like how these artificial sweeteners are discovered that it's basically like people in a laboratory mixing up different things and then they spill it and get it on their hands and then the first thing they do is kind of lick their <laughs> hands and say oh it's sweet you know it's like yeah. and then that's how you get nutra sweet and stuff and i'm like who does that that doesn't make me feel better I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear about all the people who died in labs is that yeah. it? who yeah. lick their hands <laughs> yeah exactly and of course we, we all know that the real thing is it was the uh, ferengi when they went back in time to area oh, that's 51 right. that's that, that's the real real source of all these this technology <laughs> It's a very good episode of Deep Space Nine. That's a great episode. <laughs> Little Green Man. Yeah. Hey, I wasn't the first person to mention Star nope. Trek. And I don't, I don't have a drink tonight. I just got water. So. No, I, no, I just took a drink, too. So, yeah. no. <laughs> so uh, I do really well, like no, You were the first to mention Doctor Who, though. So. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I really like the scene uh, where uh, O'Neill is explaining the black hole. Yeah. 
horribly to deal with. <laughs> well, it is a black hole is a big thing, basically a massive hole. And I feel like they're kind of doing that. Yes. Yeah. They're like hanging the yep. lantern on the hole. Anytime you, I feel like anytime there's ever a black hole in a science fiction movie, you'll have like the team of like expert scientists. And then the dude will be like, here's the piece of paper. I'm going to draw a line and then poke the paper, uh, the pencil yep. through the paper, like to the scientists who know the basics of a black hole. So I like how they hung yeah. the lantern <laughs> on that there. We get a we get a wonderful play on that coming up in uh, two episodes when we meet the uh, uh, the Tolans, right? So, oh yeah, where, uh, where Dan's trying to figure—I don't want to spoil it, but Dan's, Daniel Jackson's trying to figure out how they're able to, you know, travel through space and time, and comes up with a very common metaphor. And there's a funny moment with that. So, nice. um, yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah. There's, yeah. There's there's a great line about uh, quantum yeah. physics as well, and yeah, yeah, but uh, and another yeah. Carter boyfriend. Yep. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Gotta no, keep a tally. It, of course, I, I love how it's, you know it's supposed to be looking at a black hole, and it's what what you see on the monitor is a very average solar eclipse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not yeah. Real fancy. So you're right about that. They passing? talked about it being an eclipse, but they also talked about being a black hole. So which was it? Well, it's, it's it was it was a what it is, so. black hole eclipse. So <laughs> the idea is supposed to be that the black hole is big enough that it would absorb the light from the sun. Ah. But then you would you, supposedly you would see the accretion disc, the disc around mm-hmm. or the event horizon mm-hmm. around the black hole from the sun's light swirling around it, supposedly. So, so the black <laughs> hole isn't Victor's passing hands between do the. This. <laughs> yeah. So the black hole isn't passing between the planet and the sun, or I. That's I don't know. supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. It could be a very small black hole. <laughs> they handle black holes much Just better. Pay attention the to, the, to the tears and the human element, right? Yeah, don't I was going to say, that's the point of this episode is the tears. The real um, black hole was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we And the bases we made along the way, because this is like the first example yeah. I think we see of a like more or less permanent base that Earth yeah. has set up on another planet. We have like the whole radio telescope. We have the observatory with the optical telescope. We have, you know, the sign, you know, the very mm-hmm. permanent sign that's very been nice. put up. Mm-hmm. You see well, that first. It's oh, yeah, it's an awesome sign. But then <laughs> they pan over and it's like a village. And you're like, did we just like go to this planet and start like putting up signs and like. Look- yeah. <laughs> Are you saying humans wouldn't immediately do that? Yeah, exactly. Who's going to see it? But yeah, again, we it's... had another SG team that is all killed. So yep. yeah. since we've already ripped off the Star Trek Band-Aid, we're going to call them all red shirts, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. SG-7. SG-7. R-A-P. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, the, and plus a thousand villagers. That's a pretty good sized village since, you know, the technology seems to be, you know, medieval era. You know, they don't see, you don't really see any kind of technology that they show. Of course, they don't show the village at all, but it just, you know, you don't see any kind of sign of technology other than the Earth technology. Mm-hmm. Is this the first? So, what are we up to now for SG teams? Is this the seven? Is that the furthest, the most yeah, numbered we've team we've seen? I think we saw well, nine a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I can't remember what all we've, we've seen now. Of course, the initial idea was there were nine teams, but we haven't mm-hmm. seen all nine yet. Yeah, but pretty soon it's like take SG twenty one and SG forty seven and get out <laughs> yeah. there, and yeah, it's like and, and the Russians and, S- <laughs> yeah. and you know SG yeah. yet, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would make sense that they would expand as their mission profiles keep expanding. Yep. Yeah, once you hit season eight, it's all fair game. Yeah, yeah it looks like by, by season two, we're, we're up to SG-11. So it, it, we do have SG inflation as we as we go along yep. here. So. 
does go to 11. Okay, <laughs> I have to bring up that I was I was looking around on the internet about this episode, and there's some really well-developed, well-developed blog posts and articles about this episode, but it all has to do with the whole Carter is military and she can't show emotion, and she was just faking how she wanted to look at the black hole oh, because... Brilliant. The last episode they talked about, I don't know how to be a girl with the guys. Remember that f- phrase? In oh, yeah. And uh, so th- they had this whole take on this episode of her repressing her emotion because she was military and like what she was really feeling. I just, oh, I, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> well, she even she even comments on that where she says, uh, you know, I'm not supposed to ha- I'm not supposed to have attachment. Right. And Daniel says, why not? Yeah. She goes, oh, that's right. I forgot you're not. I keep forgetting you're not military. But I guess yeah. I didn't see this as divergent. Maybe because I am a woman. I didn't see it as she is woman. So she's trying to pretend she's not. I felt yeah, it I as she is a scientist either. and she is a military officer. Mm-hmm. So she is. She buys into all of that and the detachment and everything else. Right. No, but I agree I, with I that mean, 100%. If you yeah. look at it, if it was Jack, if it was Teal, if it was Daniel, trying to take that child into the military, I mean, the nuclear warhead, whatever, mm-hmm. all of them, no matter who had starred in this episode, they all would have struggled with that decision, right? Yeah. The humanity. Oh, yeah. So I guess I see it as she struggled because, not because she's woman and she's maternalistic and all this stuff, but just because she's human. And that's what right. we do, right? She's not a psychopath. I, I didn't yeah. feel that it was mm-hmm. out of character for her and it was trying to make some grand global statement. The article is saying because G.I. Jane came out, the Demi Moore oh, movie came yeah, out the same, the same year. year. Yeah, terrible. You know, all this stuff. And yeah. I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I think y'all are trying too hard. Well, yeah. and also, I mean, in, in fiction, heroes or protagonists who can comp- compartmentalize, mm-hmm. you know, really don't make mm-hmm. for that compelling of a, of a protagonist. Like mm-hmm. if somebody's able to say, I'm just going to be like a military person. And I'm going to compartmentalize everything else. There's no story there, really. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I don't know what it was like to to be a woman serving in the military in you know 20 a uh, long time ago. I don't want to hash this <laughs> over 20 years ago. Um, so yeah, I, I I I don't know. But the way they play it on the show is like you know General Hammond and Jack don't compartmentalize you know their humanity or their mm-hmm. emotions. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we would expect Sam to um, either. It's right. just not the kind of show it is. I mean, they do. I mean, of course, you know, part of military training is learning how to do your job despite your emotions. And, you know, that's that could definitely be a part of it. You know, being a scientist means you need to find what the truth is despite your emotions and so on. And, you know, I could see that struggle anybody you know and, and of course how many how many times are there is there the stereotypical scientist who's completely unemotional uh, unemotional no emotions right. whatsoever doesn't matter if it's male or female it's just this is a scientist and his whole life is being a scientist of course usually that's the person in doctor who that then breaks with reality but that's another story <laughs> <laughs> or we get spock and data and right. yeah right yeah. and i don't think that that i felt like we had um we had Tilk who had his emotional episode where he goes back with his son became a jo- mm-hmm. becoming a Jaffa. And we had, uh, you know, well, we've had several with Jack, you know, with his, what was that? The Crystal son, yeah. Do what? 
the crystal. With the twin. The crystal, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I felt like this was her episode, right? This was her episode to show who she was, a well-rounded person and all that. So I guess I just, I I read some of these articles and I'm thinking, I just can't read all that into it. I just felt like, you know, I think anyone would have struggled with that. And it was just showing the humanity of the character. Because if she was just scientist, 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 especially as a woman, I mean, I think she wouldn't have had the audience appeal that she had. Yeah. I think SG six may have been able to leave Cassandra down there to die alone, but this show's <laughs> yeah. not about them. those guys, those guys look mean. Run away! But, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do have to say, I, I, I struggled with the whole wrap it up with they had Sam get attached to her, but then Frazier adopted her. Mm-hmm. Right. But the reality is you couldn't have Sam adopt a kid when she's off world all the time. Right. Right. You got to leave her single yes. unattached so that she can go be, you know, what she's supposed to be or whatever. So, and it works out because Frazier's a good mom. Oh, yes. It's nice how Jack was also looking out for her future. He got her invested in Dogecoin early on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I like that. It, it, it's, it's law that every ch- child has to have a dog. Yeah. So yeah, I, I noticed that Dr. Frazier wasn't there to veto this <laughs> yeah. particular law. <laughs> You get the kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like she can say no to her. Right. Yeah, but the I next time the next time Jack gets some sort of like brain parasite or nanite infestation, let's just see how long it takes Dr. Fraser to So about that dog. To... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this was a good episode. It... Yeah. I yep. going into this discussion I was less positive on it, but <laughs> You yeah. convinced me. <laughs> yeah, and that was, yeah, going like I said, going into watching it again, I was like, oh, it's another kind of filler episode. And then I was just amazed by how, you know, how tense, like I said, some of the operating mm-hmm. where they don't know what's going on and they're trying to, and it's killing her and they're trying to shock her and then mm-hmm. they can't do too much. And, and, you know, Dr. Warner's there again. Yay, Dr. Warner. And um, <laughs> he's wrong about everything, but I love him. And then, uh, yeah, they, and then, yeah, and then that ending, which, you know, I, I understand it a little bit better now, um, you know, through that lens of, you know, uh, being in that military and that scientific, uh, you know, the mind there. So, yeah, I, I liked it. I think that's what saved it. Right. If you just look at the plot line of this story, it's like, meh. Right. Yeah. But I think that yeah. it was good, solid acting. And I would yeah. argue writing, you know, that that they moved it along and made it something that even if you don't remember all of the details of the episode, you know, 20 somewhat years later you remember the emotion right that it 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 Mm -hmm. gave you and that you feel attached to the character of cassandra and what they went through to keep her alive Mm -hmm. absolutely even when she turns into a bratty teenager yeah (laughs) (laughs) or a smug know-it-all octogenarian yeah yeah (laughs) you have any other uh, thoughts on this episode father Corey? Uh, just, you know, one thing that they showed that does come up every once in a while is that the, the homemade, uh, DHD on earth is nowhere near as quick as mm-hmm. the, the actual DHDs. And that, that, that becomes major plot points at times in this, in the series where they're trying to dial out. And like you see in this episode, they're trying to dial out and there's going, you know, Chevron one, Chevron two, mm-hmm. Chevron three incoming warble before they can get it finished. Um, and that's that's just because, of course, the, the, the native ones are, are are designed for the Stargate, whereas, you know, as Sam mentioned, you know, that the, that they, it took them years to even get something working, period. 
Yeah, it is pretty cool. I like how they thought of that in the technology sense. And, and, and of course, we, we know that Jack does like astronomy and doesn't just look at his neighbors through the telescope. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to begin with, <laughs> to begin with, and how he started. Uh, otherwise, he's kind of not doing much in this episode, which which is OK. We don't yep. need a Yeah, we we've had a lot of Jack in, yeah. in this episode. What about uh, you, Lisa? Any other thoughts? No, no, I just, yeah, it was a, it was good to rewatch it and kind of experience it all over again. What about you, Victor? Um, just, you know, it's impossible to watch something about a, you know, contagious parasite or bacteria or virus these days, you know, as, as you noted as well, you know, like, can I take this mask off? And Fraser's like, yeah, it's safe. Just don't get too close. And you're like, I'm like thinking six feet, six feet, you're way up in her face. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, I was just reading my notes. I was like the whole, like when Fraser says, just don't get too close. I think that's kind of the theme of the episode. Mm. I don't know if they intended that, but oh, yeah. that's the metatextual, I think, interpretation of that. Nice. Did not pick up we, on that. We, we, we can be smart on this podcast too. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Stephen C., Mark B., Joe J., Jimmy D., and Megs G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Cori. Until then, Father Cory, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thank you, Jack. And once again, I'm Jack Berizzini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? <laughs>